What's up my fellow scruffy looking nerf herders and welcome to the Carbonite Chat. Today we're going to be talking about Han Solo and the first time he ever saw a hut. Now this is going from the Legends novel Paradise Snare chapters 3 and 4. Now it, in, it begins with chapter 3 and he had been on this trip flying on this robotics freighter to try to be able to make it to the Ulessian priest to be able to become a pilot for them. Now as he's trying to fly he looked at the he looked and saw that he wouldn't be able to make it there in time that his oxygen would run out. So he had to change course and speed up the ship so that he would be able to survive. But in doing so, it took away the auto landing. And so he had to end up trying to fly it himself. And he's in a big suit. And the ship's made for robotics, so there's not really good handles or anything for him to grab onto. And then once he landed there, he was running out of oxygen. His oxygen went completely out right as he was about to land. So he's kind of basically holding his breath, trying to survive, beginning to get lightheaded. And the atmosphere that it's in, the planet has a 10-hour day. So the planet spins a lot faster, and so it causes a lot of storms to happen. And this is one of the reasons why he'll find out later that they need more pilots because a few have died. It's very dangerous to be able to land on this on a regular basis, much less being in a robotics freighter without the ability to see where you're even going or the information needed for a human pilot to be able to kind of read where the storm is and what's going on. But he is fortunately barely able to land it and he does cause a little bit of damage, but the Ulyssian priests actually are kind of impressed that he was able to do it the way he was able to do it and he ends up getting the job. Now, when he gets the job, he ends up working out a deal to be able to get more and more money. The reason why he's so in need of money is, of course, he wants to join the Imperial Navy. Now, in the Imperial Navy, being that so many people are trying to join in, it's a very long waiting list. So he knows that he needs to, if he wants to get in soon, he wants to be able to, he needs to have to bribe the people to get his information higher up. Also, because he doesn't even know his name, or he just found out his name, but he was picked up off the streets, he doesn't have genuine ID. And to be able to become actually Han Solo in the Imperial Forces, he's got to be able to spend a lot of money to get genuine, really high-level ID that can pass Imperial testing. So he has to then save up a lot of money to be able to pay for that. So this is why he's bargaining as well as he tries to get inside with his bargaining to get a sim thing, a simulation set up in his room so that he can practice because he knows if he wants to be able to become a pilot in the Imperial service, he needs to be able to have flown a lot of different ships. And he hasn't had that much experience flying a lot of different ships. He flew a small shuttle that was a trader's look that Shrike had, and he also flew swoops, but but nothing of great size and of course if he wants to be a pilot in the Imperial Army he needs to be able to have the ability to fly very large vessels so he ends up getting this deal and he gets a simulation and of course he begins to test on it. he spends hours a day on it to be able to work for his ultimate goal while he's there he's looking around and he realizes that the trade that they have the, the thing that they need pilots for is for spice, which is, of course, very illegal. It's essentially drugs in our world. And he, this is interesting, of course, because it's, it's this religious coven of sense. And he's looking and he sees, you know, this is one of the problems that they're having is they've got these workers and it's known there that if you come as a pilgrim you can stay there for free but what he realizes is that the pilgrims actually have to work to manufacture the spice 
and he's invited to a nightly ceremony. And at the nightly ceremony, the priest kind of blesses everyone. And Han felt it himself, this kind of euphoric feeling. And it was hard for him to begin to fight it off. But he noticed how no one else, of course, was fighting it off. They were completely enjoying it. And after a period of time, they all stumbled off to their homes to go to sleep. And he realizes that essentially what they've done is they're somehow doing some kind of type of thing to release some form of spice, some very high level spice that basically intoxicates or drugs the pilgrims. And it's this desire and feel to feel that each day that makes them work through the day. And then at night, they get their kind of release. They get that comfort of the drug that they've been longing for all day and this is how it works so Han of course tries to make sure that he doesn't have to go to the ceremony every night because he says he was able to hold it off for one night but he's he couldn't hold off their happy pills as he says them he couldn't hold that off for more than one or two nights at best now as he's going the next day he gets a kind of the one of the Ulyssian priests show up and they give him a bodyguard this very large kind of cat-like creature that Han barely comes up to his chest and Han kind of realizes through the conversation that the priest is saying that this type of these type of species are very very honorable they will never break their promises and Han kind of realizes that the promise is not to Han but to the Ulyssian priests and that he realizes that ultimately the bodyguards there to make sure Han doesn't do anything try to sneak away try to run away try to get away in any way shape or form but Han will obey the rules because if he doesn't then his new bodyguard will kill him. His bodyguard's name is Merg. Now, they're walking around. Han wants to kind of look around. He wants to be able to try to find out how the manufacturing is. He really wants to try to see if maybe he can't swoop, swipe some of the spice and sell it on the side when he's traveling to make him a little extra money. And as they're walking, there's some unrestricted areas. And all of a sudden, he sees something in the unrestricted area kind of gliding along. And he sprints off and starts running after it to go see what it was. And shortly thereafter, he catches his eye of it, and it's a hut. And, of course, he's never seen the huts, but the huts are very well known. And this planet, where the Ulyssian priests are, is in hut space. And that's when Han kind of realizes what it actually is, is the priests are actually under the huts. And the huts are running this, and this is just a kind of a, a different way to kind of put out their stuff and not have it directly underneath them. And in doing so, Han, seeing them, realizing this, he's quickly grabbed by Merg and pulled away and told, you know, you're obviously not allowed to get in that space. But Merg quickly calms down when Han kind of settles down after he realizes what he thought he saw was what he saw. And they go off to eat. When they go off to eat, Merg, his bodyguard, ends up telling him kind of the story of how he ended up getting here. And the way he ended up getting here was he had, they have a mate, and they're only able to see their mate once a year. The men and women on this planet are split. The men go and hunt all the time. And then once a year, they go and mate and to be able to have kids so they continue to grow up. But his wife, his mate, ended up leaving. She wanted to travel the galaxy. Merg tried to talk her out of this, but it didn't work. And so she left to go and try to, you know, find out what was up in the world. And he searched and searched and searched for her and was unable to find her. He had run out of money and the last place he ended up was here. So he signed a contract for a year to be able to make some money so he could continue his travels. But until that point, here he is, and that's why now he has to watch over Han. And this begins to kind of create this bond and kind of connection where Han senses that this, this isn't just some bad person. This is actually a really good person that's in a bad situation, much like Han. And there kind of starts to be this respect 
built in between them. So Han goes down into the bottom. It's below ground where they're doing the spice because if the spice gets you know seen by light, it can distort it and mess it up, start to cause the reactions to happen you know too quickly. And so he gets down to the bottom. And he's looking out and he finds this Karelian girl that she ends up cutting her finger trying to work on the spice. And in doing so, she kind of says something and Han realizes that she's Karelian. He also, even though they're below ground, so he's got these goggles to be able to see and it distorts everything. And she, of course, has goggles and a cap and it's, it's really hard to see who she is or you know, he asks her name, but she just tells him she's Pilgrim 921 because they don't have names when they come there. They give up everything. But he realizes that it seems like she's probably pretty young, actually even possibly younger than Han. But she doesn't give him much more information. He basically has to be dragged away by Merg because they're not supposed to talk to the workers. But Han really wants to know who this girl is. And the girl had some interest in him as well, being that they're both Karelian and around the same age. And so that's essentially where we end off on chapter four. Again, this is chapters three and four of Paradise Snare. Again, I, so far I've been very much into the solo story, this you know trilogy that's going on. I like it much more than the Lando so far, but the Lando has done a lot of buildup to set up for a really big story. As far as this one, does it seem like it's setting up as big of a story, but more as a bigger character kind of, you know, the way it's kind of explaining out Han's character and where he comes from. And so that's obviously interesting. And it obviously kind of goes along with what we're hoping to get from the Solo movie, which is the point of going through all of these, the trilogy from Han Solo. Anyways, I look forward to hearing all of your thoughts down below, what you've been thinking about and whether you like the Han or the Lando better. And of course, if any of this information is new to you, I know one person had actually mentioned that they had actually just bought these novels and not begun to read them yet. So I hope you've begun to read them. I will be trying to go one to two chapters every one to two days to give you an idea if you want to go along with that. And I'm sorry, I cannot remember your name. I believe it's like Wilson. I hope I'm right. Um, I know it's something along those lines. I'll make sure I get it right for the next time. As always, thank you guys very much for watching. And never forget you nerf herders. I love you.